Right, and welcome back for another episode of Empowering Intuitives Explore Talk Show. And I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Michelle Walker. And tonight we have psychotherapist and addiction counselor, Noelle Dodge. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love your work. I've been following you. I found you on Periscope, what, five years ago or something? Wait, no, actually probably more like nine, nine years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ago. So <laughs> I, flying. you have taught me quite a bit and been a huge inspiration. So oh, for you to ask me is like, uh, no. what? So thank you. Thank oh, you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. You have, you have so much love and light um, that you share. And, and I just love the work that you're doing. Oh, so tell, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing right now. Um, well, right now I shifted gears. I've been working, you know, as, as you said, a psychotherapist and also uh, addiction counseling. Um, and now I'm going into early intervention and prevention. Nice. So I went into the field of um, parent uh, educator and I work with families that have children under the age of three. I got a lot of first time parents. Um, parents who have um, children with special needs and now, you know, they have an infant in the house and it's how do I meet their needs, but this, you know, so we have a combination of quite a bit of um, different families, but that's my passion is working with families and I use my intuitive gifts when I can. <laughs> uh -huh. Awesome. And always tonight's, tonight's topic is about how do we empower intuitive children? So you are the perfect person to come in and talk about this because you're doing it for for the little, little ones. So yeah. that's just awesome work. Thank you for the work that you do because that's very tough to try to empower parents that are not tapped into their own intuition to even recognize and then what to do with it. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I get the phone call I think they really have a lot of abilities, but I have no idea what to do with them. And even in my own family, they're like, you call your aunt Shell, she, she knows how to deal with this stuff. So, you know, it's just always a challenge, um, I think for the parents and they want to help and they want to um, encourage them to thrive, but they just don't always know where to begin. So I love that you are actually getting started before they even hit daycares, yes. right? Yes, yes. And it's interesting because, ooh, hi, puppy. Sorry. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, as you're, as you see these parents, you know, when they're three and under, you really can't tell if they have any intuitive abilities. But what I do have the opportunity is to work with the parents on their own intuition and their own. So a lot of times, you know, when they'll say, well, I'm not understanding why my child is doing this. And I'll say, well, what do you think they're thinking or what do you think they're trying to do and try to get them to tap in. And I'm like, can you feel the energy? Like, so I do a lot of talking about their energy and like, did you feel him shift when you use this technique? Did you feel that vibration shift? And just kind of like giving parents that new perspective. It's not always what we see on the, the surface, the 3d and a lot of it is energy work. And you know, they'll just say, wow, like, his whole demeanor shifted or, or she just totally jumped on board. And it's like, yeah, you did that. <laughs> well, and I love how you explain that because children, 
until they're around the age of 12, really don't develop their discernment. And so they experience the world through feelings. So I love that you are helping teach parents to use their feelings to help yeah. explain and get at that child's level to really see the world as they see it. Because we forget to do that, you know, as we get older. Um, and I just think it's great because children make sense of their outer world based on their feelings. And they make sense of their inner world based on their feelings. So, um, and that's why I love when I get a family that has an autistic child. A lot of those children with those special needs actually have a lot of special abilities yes. that are intertwined. And so they'll, they'll say like, you just know how to talk to her or you just know how to talk to him. Like, how do you understand this, like this world that they're in? And it's like, cause that's their world and they're communicating it. And, and how they communicate it. But, um, you know, a lot of times some children are misdiagnosed with schizophrenia and it's not schizophrenia. It's right. they're not hearing voices. They are hearing clear audience, you know, they're, they're yes. hearing yes. messages. So um, it was nice for me when I was, because I grew up with abilities that I didn't understand and I was accused of being crazy, <laughs> um, I, you know but never diagnosed, ironically. No one took me to get help. <laughs> right. We just called me names. <laughs> but, um, but as I got older, when I went into the field of mental health and I got to listen to what the audio sounds like of someone who truly has schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. It's a different ball game. I could see how a 20-some-year-old fresh out of college can misdiagnose somebody but then the, you are you have a lifetime of meds and a, and a path that is not meant right. to be the road to healing others you know they have a they have a special calling on their lives well and so. i think it's it's you know in my work in healthcare i've worked with a lot of autistic children and actually i was one of the few providers that would work it up a little bit before i sent them off and um one of the things that uh, autistic children are really very proficient at is communicating telepathically. And it's, it's wonderful when you get the parents to think about their feelings and to really get out of <clears throat> their fear or um, their own issues and start to really tap into that in intuition. You know, it's great. I love every mother has their own intuitive abilities. Everybody does, of course, but you know, that mom's intuition where we just automatically or telepathically understand what the baby needs or uh, it's just at a different level when they're a little bit older and they're autistic. Uh oh, I think you got I absolutely there. find the same thing. I muted it because there's a little bit of background and I want to hear what you're saying. It sounds better. <laughs> so I just hit mute so it sounds better. But, um, yeah, I, I absolutely, they are so special and there's, they, like you said, telepathically, like they'll just, they don't even have to grunt. The one mom, she's like, he didn't even say anything. How did you know that's what he wanted? And I was like, oh. <laughs> because <laughs> you know? you've taken the time to build your intuition and to develop that. You know, mm -hmm. I think one of the big things, maybe we, we could start here is people will maybe would want to know, how do we know if this child um, is intuitive? <clears throat> right. So, um, right. 
you know, I, I explain this in my book a little bit about yes. the abilities and, um, you know, a lot, <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> you know, children are naturally wide open and they can see spirit until they reach a certain age. Some continue to see it, but they feel the very clairsentient um, yes. and clairaudient. They are wide open when they're little, little, like the ages that you work with are wide open. Um, so it can be challenging to um, parents with these hypersensitive children. And that's kind of the term I use um, where they may say, oh, they're so uh, sensitive to their environment. The loud noises, they're hypersensitive. They're hypersensitive to a lot of the foods and the chemicals in the foods. Um, they have a hard time in any kind of harsh environment. If that's home and the yelling in the home, a lot of just background, too many people in the home, they can get overwhelmed. Um, and these kiddos, like you said, can be misdiagnosed because they can act out because they don't, they get frustrated. They don't yeah. know how to communicate properly to say, I need a time out. <laughs> I need to just like go away and be quiet and keep things calm. Plus the technology that they're um, exposed to can be overstimulating yes. as well. I was so, just going to say, and with these parents with the 5G phones and everything, when they're pregnant, you know, and constantly, like, we don't know what the effects of that is when, you know, and then when they, when they're born, um, they're exposed to all of this technology and sensitivity that we were not exposed to. So we can't, we can't discount mm -hmm. that um, that is having an effect. Um, well, even, I, I think even beyond that, we all have those natural abilities. We all mm -hmm. have the, um, the children, some believe that each generation, the children are getting more, uh, intuitive and they're getting, they're more wide open and they're more sensitive to things. So, you know, a lot of times these people that these kiddos that are marked attention deficit are really just not having good coping skills and they're not sure how to handle being so intuitive and wide open. And I know personally for me, um, I wanted to isolate because that's the only thing that made me feel more centered and balanced. So I would just go sit in the yard by myself. I would just go into the woods by myself, <laughs> things we don't encourage doing now. But um, for me, it was just to try to be more um, isolated in order to have a calmer environment instead of siblings and a very active household and all of that. So sometimes that might be a warning sign if they're isolating because that's the, how they're trying to cope, right? Oh, I think we... We got some little technology issues here. Uh, Noelle froze up. She'll be right back in. So hopefully that'll work. Um, so I think we have to be aware that a lot of times children kind of struggle and they don't have good coping skills. For a lot of adults, they don't have good coping skills on how to balance all of the uh, sensitivities. I know for me as a child, um, if we don't have somebody that understands seeing spirit and talking to spirit, it can be very scary. It can be unnerving. I know now it's more in the mainstream, so people at least are more familiar with um, intuitives and um, 
with mediums and things like this. So it might be easier to identify now, but still as that child um, experiencing the world, we need to have some kind of compassion. Elizabeth says, um, I used to isolate when I was little too. Yeah, it was a that was the coping because we didn't have any other good coping skills and that worked. So yeah, I would just go in my room just to take a breather, just to be away from people. Um, so we do whatever we, we instinctively know we need to do, right? And so isolating is one of those. So if your child is doing that, look and see why. Maybe they just need a little bit of downtime and you can plan on them having downtime on a daily basis. Um, I know uh, having them, having children, whether they identify as being intuitive or not, to have some quiet time to reconnect to their own feelings um, and listen to that own inner voice, that is so powerful for them. So whether you wanna teach them meditation and have them do quiet time in the morning or maybe after school or after their full day, they need some downtime to decompress, they need to kind of reset their energy. Um, anything like that quiet time to help them reconnect with their divine higher self is very powerful for any child and all children, I think, but especially those that are hyper intuitive. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> Technology happens. So one of the things I was going to say, I've noticed um, that I started doing with moms um, with children under three is that when they're getting upset or when they're frustrated and they're not able to communicate is getting in touch with their heart chakra and just kind of like doing a gentle, like, you know, just rubbing them down. Even like if it's like a two month old, just you can feel as you're just, you know, shh, just a soft, gentle shh, and rubbing their heart chakra, it like automatically um, reduces their heart rate mm -hmm. and it starts to change the rhythm and they just naturally start to calm down. And with the younger kids, you know, it's like giving them the opportunity, having the patience and giving them the opportunity to communicate when they're two, three years old and they're like, hi, hi. <laughs> And they're all, they can't get it out. Just teaching them how to like calm down so that they can't communicate because those are the skills they need to meditate. They need to calm down and be open to communicate. So it's kind of the, a precursor, I think, to just kind of like teaching them how to self-soothe. Yes, for sure. I think that's a great tip for even for older children, not just under three. I think it's really good. Uh, another thing that I do for a little bit older children is um, have them just kind of give themselves, touch themselves like either a hug or you can do acupressure points like you said with the heart, but just breathe and just picture them breathing in that beautiful white divine light from God. And they, they can do that. That's simple, that's easy, it's a color. They can breathe it in. Um, and it's really important, I think, that you honor your child's feelings yes. and I, that you teach them that what they are saying and how they're feeling is correct. Because you don't, I, how I grew up was, it was, oh no, it was, I was dismissed. And it was, well, I'm having this this feeling that something's gonna happen and I was dismissed. 
So mm-hmm. then what that does for the child is it teaches them that they're incorrect, their intuition and what they're picking up is incorrect. And yes. so then they are struggle. They're like, but I'm hearing or seeing spirit and I understand the world this way. And you're telling me it's the polar opposite. So it, it creates confusion for children. It makes it harder for them to um, learn to really trust their instincts. Shelby says that's how she got her children to fall asleep, hand on their chest, rubbing it. Um, energy transfer. Beautiful, Shelby. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. Yep. Um, yeah, because that little external um, is very soothing and it helps them feel secure. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I like how... Um, we talked about a little bit earlier is um, having a child, maybe not a three-year-old or, or below, but or even an adult, really engage them to find the solution to the problem. So if they're saying so and so is mean to me, <laughs> this is a you know this the girls don't like me or I'm having a hard time with this. Um, is help them and walk them through the process of trying to understand what's really going on and what they think the other person's really feeling um, and help them problem solve the solution. Yes, because it increases their empathy too. When we can take ourselves out of the equation and think of like, well, what do you think the other person might be thinking? Then you actually start to think before you make choices of how it will affect others before you make those choices. And getting back to what you were saying about like, well, you know, really listening and giving them um, a sound for their feelings because so many women that I work with now are like, I knew he was doing this. I knew he was cheating or I knew, you know, that that money wasn't adding up and I knew there was an issue, but I just, you know, played a blind eye or, discounted what I was feeling, discounted what I was thinking. My intuition told me I ignored it. So if we can teach kids as soon as possible how not to ignore that, they are less likely to find themselves in relationships where people manipulate them, take advantage of them. As empaths, most of us go running to the greatest narcissist that looks like the (laughs) nicest guy in the world, (laughs) dressed up in fakeness but but same thing empathetic men looking for narcissistic women and they're all dressed up to be this you know perfect image and they're a nightmare in the inside you know it's just that's what this but that narcissist also there's an empath inside of that person and the more and what i've learned from mental health and working with clients and people who are you know clinically diagnosed with these i don't say these lightly clinically diagnosed with these mood disorders have the most trauma and the most hard life experiences most people couldn't even fathom let alone live through and you start to see why that these are their defense mechanisms and and anyone who says a narcissist will always be a narcissist is a narcissist Because um, if you've done the work and you've seen people who've done the work and you've seen that transformation and it's undeniable, you know, every, they say in the DSM, if a narcissist will be the, the, 
the um, person that starts a club or starts an organization or starts there's a lot of people who started organizations they are not narcissists true you know so it's like it, a lot of times people are so afraid of appearing um, arrogant but really what they're trying to be is assertive and no one's taught them how to be assertive without appearing arrogant and so they're trying to assert themselves and instead they're coming across and everyone's going ah yeah myself included I've learned that lesson <laughs> well, I think one thing is really important um, that parents when you have identified well whether they're intuitive or not I think leading by example is really important so whether you connect to a faith a belief about a higher power, your higher self, God, spirit, whatever term you choose. I think it's really important to teach your children that there is a bigger power, that we are divine beings and that God is supporting us, that we're connected to God, that um, that internal system is a God-given ability. and that, I mean, if you don't believe in God, then how do you explain or verbalize that internal guidance system, your innate born divine psychic abilities? So however you describe that, you know, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. There's atheists that don't believe in God. So how do you explain the intuition and then live that example? Because I know for me, I would see inconsistencies because there was a, a mismatch between the energies of what somebody was saying and then what I was experiencing. And so whether that person was aware or not aware that their integrity wasn't in words and actions weren't in, in alignment, um, it's hard for children to one trust and learn from people that aren't there's that energetic mismatch. So, but it's a lot easier if you are honoring yourself and your divine connection and your psychic abilities. Um, just like you were saying with a mom, if they're saying, I knew that's what was going on and I just didn't trust it. So mom, empowering moms and dads to begin to do their work and uh, strengthen their psychic abilities helps the children intuitive children learn how to do this naturally organically in the household you know yeah. like you said when we were younger it was like oh you're crazy don't talk like that don't tell people things like this where other people that grew up in households where they said oh you know what my gut instinct is this um they learned to trust at a younger age their own instincts and the parents then developed as so everybody kind of pinged off each other in their development, if you will, and enhanced it. Yep. Yep. And it's, and there's also a side where, you know, sometimes people are like, well, we're all intuitive. Everyone's got intuitive and they brush it off. Like, well, that doesn't mean anything. Okay. Everyone's intuitive, but how do we tap into that? Because that's, what's going to prevent us from, you know, relationships that, make you doubt yourself or make you second guess yourself when you stand firm in who you are and what you know yourself to be no one can convince you that you're wrong unless you have more doubt than you have and and we're coming like we're coming out of this generation of control where these parents are like 
my child's going to do this, they're going to get A's, they're going to play these sports, and they're going to play these things, and this is how it's going to be, and right. this is, you know, my child is going to do what I tell them to do, and then when the kid is a teenager, they're like, what happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, they're, this is the psycho's development, the psychosocial psycho stage of development where they are trying to find their identity right. and you have been creating their identity and telling them what their identity will be and they're asserting themselves to have their own. And so if they're allowed to tap into that intuition, that then it's a part of their identity and they won't have this major crisis as a teenager, they, they're going to go through teenage crises. But that identity piece is going to be a little uh, a smoother transition for the child and the parents because they know their intuition they're going and when when they're empowered that way it's like yeah i knew something was going to go down that night so i didn't hang out with my friends and look what happened they got in trouble and i did it i was off with my girlfriend you know right. or i was off i was doing this and, and i was supposed to be there but something told me that it wasn't right and having that being empowered with that, especially teenage girls, to go with your instinct. That guy is really cute, but something's telling you don't get in the car, don't get in the car. Okay. So, you know, as parents, we, we should want to really teach our children how to tap into that intuition as young as possible yeah. so that those years, our, our daughters and our sons are really clear in who they are and what they want to do. Absolutely. And I think so parents may be saying, yeah, but how do I do that? So or what does that look like? So um, let's say, you know, children have this wonder. I like the I wonder game. You know, they have this innate curiosity of the world. That's how they learn by sensing and experiencing the world. Right. And as parents, instead of the example you gave of the mom that's a helicopter mom and she's trying to control every situation and keep them from getting any dirt on their clothes, you know, that kind of control um, to a different level of allowance where like in the Hawaiian culture, they allow the children as much wonder, they can experiment, they monitor, of course, but they figure if they touch a hot stove, they do it once, they're not going to do it again. You know, we're here, we're going to do 9,000 things to prevent the experience. So it's a fine line, but how they learn to trust their instincts is the things that they're drawn to. So for example, if a small child is really drawn to, let's just say elephants. They really want an elephant. Mom, can you buy me an elephant? I really want an elephant. Why, as a parent, there is a reason why they're drawn to an elephant. We don't have to understand it in order to support it or to help encourage them to experience it. So you could take them to a zoo and let them experience it. Maybe if there's elephant rides or whatever, like let get, provide the opportunities for their wonder so that they can go, Oh, well, the next time I wonder about an elephant, I already have the answer to that. I don't need to keep wondering. Um, but maybe they are so passionate from the time they, that's their first word is elephant. And all they wanted to do was be in the circus. And they're just dead set on that's what they're going to do. 
Maybe there's another reason that we don't understand. So allow them an opportunity. Maybe let them be in the circus for a day. You know, they have like different camps or whatever. Let them experience it because sometimes maybe there's a past life connection and that is really powerful and it's something that they need for their spiritual journey, even though you don't understand it. So as a parent, if you can sit back and observe and remember, see, I think part of our culture is we think children are stupid and young and they don't know anything and we have to teach them everything that there is possible to teach and it gets overwhelming and then parents are overburdened when if they sit back a minute and observe every child every adult every person has their own innate skills they have their own innate psychic abilities and they have to learn to trust themselves and they have to have that downtime, quiet time to go within. I used to tell my nieces, okay, it's time that we just, we need to talk to God for a little while. That's why there's prayer. That's why there's all the, you know, in any religion, there's prayer. Talk to God. Say your prayers before you go to bed. Have that conversation and connection from an early age so that they have a confidant that's going to help guide, whether they fully understand how it works or not. Elizabeth goes, my daughter always wanted a real baby elephant. <laughs> Maybe that's why I use that example, Elizabeth. <laughs> that's funny. I don't want a baby elephant. <laughs> so and it's also a great opportunity to teach children um, about the 12 um, universal laws. I know there's more than 12, but like the, the, the 12 main universal laws, because um, I love to use the example that Michael Bernard Beckwith uses, where... Um, you don't have to believe in gravity, but if you walk off a building, you know, you're going to hit the ground, right? And it doesn't matter if you're a nice person or a bad person. Those two people can both walk off the gravity is not going to be kind to either. You know, right. it has nothing to do with who you are in this world. So that's like one of those perfect examples. And that is a universal law. We don't make gravity up. Gravity is real. And then going into some of the other universal laws, like the universal law of oneness and karma and cause and effect. And as people start to understand these things, it's like, you don't have to believe in God, but there's something out there. These are laws. And there's something out there that says we have to live within these guidelines in order for us to thrive. And most people don't even know what those guidelines are. True. So, and so having your, your intuition is a huge part of understanding how the universe works. So you have your intuition and these laws and no one talks about them. Elizabeth says now her daughter's becoming a vet. <laughs> so maybe there was a real reason why she wanted a baby elephant. She wanted to nurture and take care of and learn about. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, in in my book, there's lots of exercises that we we do um, to help children. And a lot of times we're doing it anyway. So if you go through my book in chapter 12, it's all about children and working with intuitive children. And some of the times we're already doing this. So for example, children feel. That's how they experience the world, through their feelings, their clear sentience. So the example to help strengthen the clairsentience is to do some pretend or make believe or ec fun exercises. So one would be, okay, let's choose the color blue. How does that make you feel? 
when I see the color blue, I feel cold. I feel like it's just, somebody else might say, I feel warm like the Caribbean water. I see blue, I think blue lips, I'm a nurse, you know. But <laughs> we go down that road like, oh, they're freezing, <laughs> hypothermia. Um, but so you can engage them with that. Um, you can say, well, what does um, different shapes feel like? You know, round, that feels like a bouncy ball, you know. So we do a lot of these little um, skills that they would find fun, entertaining, but it's helping them tap into their clairsentience even more. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to mention it. <laughs> but uh, in, your, in your book on that chapter 12 that you were talking about, when you talked about gratitude and how to create a calendar, um, you know, and put that on there, make that part of the practice in the household. Like, I was just like, I love this. I can share this with my moms and my dads. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Um, so you can do a collective that. family vision board, of mm -hmm. what goals are for the family. You can do the gratitude. Um, but that's by setting that example for them by living it and breathing it. And I'd like the other exercise that you had in there. Not sure what it's under, but it's uh, something about like um, have the child close their eyes and then like um, identify the two sounds that they hear. Yes, that's kind of like their clear audience. Yes. Tapping into that, and I was just like, "Oh, these are fantastic! You have so many great exercises in here." Thank so, you. like, really, I, yeah, chapter twelve. If you have kids and you think that they are. Um, tapping into some kind of abilities or some kind of, this is a fantastic toolkit. As you know, you say right on the cover, I'm like, this is literally a toolkit for yeah, you. Yeah. One thing you can do is for their clairsentience because you know, we all need to practice learning and listening. So it's not just for their, um, I'm sorry, clear audience. It's not just for listening there, but it's also about active listening. And who doesn't need to active listen? I know every single human needs to learn how to actively listen better. So one thing I will tell them is if there's um, one of their favorite cartoons and there's lots of different sounds, close your eyes, what sounds do you hear? So make it fun, right? You know? Um, and they will do that because then they can like ping in and you can listen and you can discern the different sounds. For adults, I say use like classical music, but for children, use what they like. You know, Paw Patrol, there's all kinds of sirens and all kinds of things going on. You hear dogs like use the whatever's at their level, whatever their enjoyment is, whatever they're liking to do. Um, if they're little, little, there's xylophones, you can play different things, you can, they, all kinds of electronic toys have lots of different sounds. So you could say, well, okay, this is one that we always do, right? With little ones is what does a cow say? <laughs> you could press a button and it'll moo. And so we're teaching them multiple things, but it's actually working their clear audience. And we don't think about it like that, right? We just think we're teaching them what a what a um, cow, how a cow sounds. Yep, and that with, with what I'm doing, that's part of our curriculum too. And um, I love that they have that put in there because it it is, it's like we're not just playing. The, yes. They're learning. There's so much that they're learning. So like teaching the parents yes. how play. A lot of parents are very serious with their children, and it's like, no, you get on the floor and you bark like a dog. <laughs> this is what this is what we do. <laughs> and it's so important that you say it like that because 
you know, as parents, I was a single mom. You're worried about putting the roof over the head. You're yes. worried about all of the necessities that they need. And then, you know, plus your things that you need. So people get overwhelmed and they don't do the basics. But when you can explain it to somebody in a different yeah. way, like just like I gave that example about teaching them the sounds, and then you can teach them, well, how does that feel? You can teach them their psychic abilities and work with them on a daily basis yes. so that they are building that. And the other thing that is so important to building your intuitive abilities is your creativeness. Children need to be creative. They need yes. to have time outdoors. They need these things. So when I hear about curriculums pulling art classes, music classes, um, gym classes, so they're not physically active, they're not going outdoors, they're not doing any of this, that's stagnation for their psychic abilities and their creativeness. So as a parent, I think if you can do little things, you know, like if you wanna work with colors, finger paints, love finger paints they're the best for small children or as the children get older all of my nieces we paint and i say well how does that feel and why do we want to choose this color select whatever color you feel this should be and allow them to create their own work it helps their psychic abilities it helps them be more calm and more centered it helps them learn colors it helps them learn the feelings and what they're feeling and how it's expressing it's just all the way around, it's a win-win when you can engage all of those different things into one activity. And we don't, parents are just like, they were just painting. Yeah. But no, they're not. They're no, learning on so, so many levels. More. And and for my parents that are a little more, um, you know, oh, that's woo-woo stuff. I'm not into that woo-woo <laughs> stuff, you know? Like, right. so my parents that are a little more rigid, um, I, I introduce it as, you know, like William Glasser's five basic needs, you know, survival. If you're just focused on the survival, there's four other needs. Love and belonging. Power. Are you empowering your child to make choices for themselves that are aligned with their intuition? Um, freedom. Do they have the freedom to say no to mom and dad? Do they have <laughs> yes. the freedom to um, assert themselves with with respect and within guidelines. And that can go as young as five years old. Um, and then the last basic need is fun. So if you're not having fun, you know, you're, you're missing out on a basic need for yourself and your child is missing out on learning that basic need from you. So, you know, we have to have fun. <laughs> For sure. And even as adults, you know, we, we tend and to amplify that intuition too. Yes. Yes. They feed off of each other. And it's so important, you know, balance is, is something that everybody needs. You have to balance on both sides of the brain. You need to balance work and play. You need to balance for children. They need, they need a lot of play uh, and less seriousness. And if we can, do the little things every day children need in my personal opinion they need downtime quiet time yes. no electronics off the phone off the tv off the games they need downtime quiet they can teach them you can have them do guided meditations you can have them journal write in a journal yes you can have them 
um, do breathing work. That's always fun. I have some really cool exercises in there like bumblebee breath and you can teach them fun little breathing exercises that help how deep they're breathing, but they're fun and they're silly and you can do like the horse breath. And so there's lots of neat things, but they need quiet time, 20, 30 minutes a day for most people. Um, just that, just to transition. A lot of times I tell parents to do it in the evening after, after dinner and then maybe watch TV for a little bit and then give them a little bit of downtime that transitions them, helps them calm down to go to sleep. Um, I think children need to spend 30 minutes a day outside. Even if it's cold, bundle up. They need to be outdoors. They need to breathe in fresh air. They need to hug trees, be in the forest, be in the water, play in the dirt. They need all of those things on a regular. Um, you know, like if, if it's winter time and, and you don't want to be outdoors with that, okay, then bring them dirt to plant play in the sand, buy sand, make stuff, get their hands in the earth elements. They still need to be doing something. I think every child, every adult needs some kind of art, something creative, a creative outlet of some kind. That can be anything, anything. Yoga, that can be dance, that can be music, that can be art in any way, shape or form that you look at that. Um, but I feel like all of these are necessities. Like you were talking about basic needs. I feel like these are very, they're not your survival needs, but these are very basic needs that we do need to, to help our body, mind, and spirit be in alignment. They need some form of prayer, some form of connection with a higher power, and an ongoing dialogue with that. So whether that is through prayer, through it's, it's through um, journaling. You know, some children write letters to God every night. That's how you teach them to journal. Um, or even talking. coloring when they're like three, have them color a picture. Like or it's like an early journal with the yes. coloring. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So and, and it's interesting to see which colors they pick, yes. you know, and like, you know, the, which, which ones they're drawn to and things like that. There's just so much. And, and, it's really simple. You know, it does take a little bit of effort as a, as a parent, as a person, but you know, like my, um, my girl, my little girl, she's three and, um, my grandbaby, she's three. And you know, when we, when, well, now she's four, I'm sorry. Whoops. She's four. So when she would color, I would be like, well, do you want to color in the lines? No. <laughs> And she could color in the lines, but she'd be like, I said, oh, okay, well, what color do you think that should be? And I'm like, well, what color do you want me to color? And so I let her be the master orchestrator of this final project. And it was always, the, the hardest part is the Virgo in me that likes everything in the lines. I'm like, it's just a picture. Let it go. Let it doesn't go. have to be perfect. It'll be perfect in her eyes for her her vision. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm helping you. What are we doing? And um, yeah. that empowers them to, to feel more yeah. secure and trust their own instincts and go with it. And, um, you know, it means more to them than you say, no, this isn't any good. You didn't color in the lines and the sky has to be blue, not green. Why are you painting? You know, like, don't go yeah. down there. Let them let it be what it needs to be for them. Right, right. And just <laughs> and, having that freedom to be creative, that's that freedom and that power and the fun. Like those are three basic needs. 
Yes. Letting a kid be a kid. Um, you know, and it's, it's difficult when somebody tries to parent like their parents mm -hmm. who was, don't make a mess. Don't touch anything. Don't go anything. Don't do anything. Don't breathe till you're 18. And then um, they try to parent. Yeah. And it's, you know, like, and then you come, you have a, maybe another parent that comes from a very relaxed, we didn't have any rules. Our parents were never home. We were latchkey kids. We did whatever we want. You know, you bring these two forces together and that child, holy cow, has got to walk two worlds and the world and everything else. Right. So, um, I think the like the main thing is coming to an understanding between both parents of how we're going to move forward and move and and let this child unfold because like I said these nobody warns you nobody warns you but you know no, it's like you have a vision come. for your child and then they they get their own identity and do whatever they want and yeah. it's like they should it's their life but as a parent you're like but that's not what I, it's not about you. Exactly. <laughs> it's not your life. It's their life. So, uh, and they, and children will teach you unconditional love. I, that is, they're here to teach us that. And it's amazing because um, the more you can tap into your own intuition, the more comfort it brings during those times when the kids are like, I'm never talking to you again, you know, like, okay. They eventually come back, and when they do, to be in a place of, you know, I've been waiting, you know, I've been waiting. That like, there's just there's there's some kind of divine um, force, I think, that kind of makes us have to come to that realization. And it's such a beautiful gift when you do get it, <laughs> but sure. it is a nightmare when you're going through it. <laughs> It's hard. So whether they're two year old with their little suitcase or they're twenty two years old with their big suitcase, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> I think one of the big challenges is um, really living your life in your own integrity. Your words and your actions yes. are in alignment. And you know, in my household, it was because I said so. Well, that's not going to work for me. You know, I need to know. I. I that's not helping me learn discernment. So how do you teach or how do you let them learn to discern situations, right? Because they need to feel um, confident in their own abilities. They need to feel confident in the situation. So kind of like learning to discern, uh, maybe they're saying that, but that's not really what they mean. Um, and and learning how to figure that out. It's unfortunate, but the kids that are most in tune to that, not all kids, but, you know, the majority that I've worked with, the, the ones that are really in tune with that, um, tend to have someone in their life, whether it's a teacher, it doesn't have to be the parents all the time. It could be a teacher, it could be a sibling, it could be an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent. They're exposed to somebody who puts on a show for everyone, and then behind closed doors, there's somebody else. And that... <clears throat> really those kids are super sensitive to energy where they're like, no, you're saying this, but I'm reading something totally different. Right. Right. So, um, uh, uh, you know, unfortunately it's, it's typically kids that have had to learn resilience through adversity. <laughs> so Noel, if you could give 
one piece of advice to a parent that thinks they have an intuitive child, what would you give them? Because every child is different um, and nobody knows that child better than the mother who incubated it. <laughs> I would, I always go back to the mother, like what, what, what leads you to that conclusion? And then find what works for them. So a child who maybe, you know, every time we give him a bath, he comes up with these ideas or every time we go to the beach, you know, okay, this kid is in tune with water. Um, kids that start fires, a lot of times they have a fascination with fire because it's an element that they like, they, they get something from maybe watching a burning candle or so these are things where it's like, well, as a parent, you're like, I don't want my kid playing with fire. Right. <laughs> so there's this, this line, but not to panic, not to overreact or underreact, just to really, like you were talking about before, of really listening. Um, you know, well, tell me what that looks like. Tell me what you think. Um, you know, my mom would always say, oh, you're always so lucky. You always win raffles. Well, I'm also a Sagittarius, and that's part of, like, we're just a lucky, we're just one of those lucky ones. But, um, you know, my intuition has always guided me, but it's also the thing that people used as a weapon against me. So it's super safe for a child when they have the parents that nurture the safety around that intuition, around those gifts, List, just listen and provide a safe space. That's really the only, the rest of it, we all got to figure out for ourselves. Like there's a million things, right? but right. each child's different and it's yeah. going to require something different. But the, the consistent thing that I can say is a safe place for them to unpack that and to be that listening ear. However weird it may sound, they may say they were once an alien from another planet. Roll with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. I think, I think one thing I think parents need to remember is a saying that we are all walking each other home and we are all coming in with that veil from the other side, but we're all walking across this life to help learn from each other, to help teach each other. And eventually we go back into spirit together. So our time here is short. We need to find a way for us all to be centered, balanced, grounded, and in the moment now so that we can truly enjoy all of life has to offer us instead of getting wrapped up in the day-to-day -day stuff and all of your energy to that. I think we have to remember that if you are not filling up your own well, how are you going to fill up the children's well? So parents need to know it's not selfish when you need 30 minutes. It's like everybody in the house should have 30 minutes. Quiet time now. Like everybody go to your respective corners. Do whatever it is you need to do. Let's all center, ground, and rebalance. Um, Unfortunately, though, a lot of families use that as TV time. Or, right. you know, it's it's how you spend that 30 minutes. Correct. And it's what you do with it. A shift in perspective has to occur. Children are not property or pawns between parents. They need to be uh, regarded in a way that, like you said, Noel, they are teachers for us just as much as we are teachers for them. And so when we 
when we think about it like that, it takes that ego self out of it. It's not like, hmm, this is my kid and what I say goes. And, you know, that old paradigm has gone away and, and our children deserve more and they deserve um, the communication, openness. Um, they, to be empowered to help problem solve and make choices. Now, of course, sometimes that's not going to be possible. And then, you know, parents have to veto and rule eventually anyway as the parent. But um, that needs to be not the normal standard for every situation, <laughs> if that makes sense. And the power of consequences is huge because a lot of times parents are like giving consequences, but sometimes it's it's more impactful if you look for the natural consequence, you know, where it's like, hey, you know, this is what it is. It, it Because of this, this happened. And that's the, there doesn't have to be a punishment. There doesn't have to be a, a big to-do, but there has to be, that. well, the natural consequence of that, you didn't get your shoes on, we missed the bus. You know, like, whatever, that's a natural consequence. Or, um, but it can't be something, of course, that they want, like trying to miss the bus. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's a whole other reversal in that scenario. But, um, you know, and that, taking advantage of those natural consequences so that they can see the cause and effect, which is a universal law of cause and effect. So you're teaching them and you're guiding them also in um, just basic skills that I, I didn't learn until I was, my kids were already grown. And I'm like, right. why do you think teach this stuff back, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Come on. So guys, if you want to know uh, and connect in with Noelle, she has a website, noelledodge.com. Um, she also has, you can email her at Ellie, E-L-L-I-E dot A-W-O-W -W at outlook.com. Um, you can reach out to her. Uh, and Noelle, um, do you want to tell us what you have going on? Do you still have your eight-week free course going on? And what about the... Um, organization that you help uh, as an ambassador? Um, I do. I probably should give you my YouTube also, but, but I have on YouTube um, an eight-week self-discovery, self-paced. You just do one video at a time. Some people, they do one video once a week. Um, it doesn't have to be done all in one day. So it is meant for you to do some reflective work and to really um, identify some major wounds, <laughs> whether um, it's abandonment, neglect, things like that. I mean, um, it happens. I, my daughter and I were separated for three days when she was first born because I ended up back in the hospital and she was at home. There's, it, 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 there is an effect that happens. Um, I was uh, separated from both my parents at different times within the first year of my life. And then my name was changed when I turned one. So I had a little identity crisis and a little delay in my speech. I was about three by the time I started talking and never shut up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, these do have effects, but when you cause fine instead of fault fine, it's like you become a detective to your own history and your own life. And it's yeah, not about, sure. I, you know, how could I compare, like my mom, when, when she had me, I was, she was 25 years old, no vehicle, three children at 25, you know, like that's a lot. Yeah. 
give grace. <laughs> so, and she did a fantastic job, you know, in some ways and in some ways, you know, yeah, she could have done better, but uh, so could I have as a parent. And, and so could, every, you know, other people that, there's no one out there. It's right. not an insult to your parents to reparent yourself. Um, <laughs> one of the other things that I'm doing is I'm an ambassador for an, um, a Haitian organization since uh, 2017. Nice. Um, called Hohe is H O H A Y E dot org. Um, and right now, um, with their president passing, this is a very difficult, well, I should say assassinated, not passing, but with their president being assassinated, um, and this was already a very trying time for them, they are they need some prayers. So, if we could send some energy, um, if you feel it in your heart to donate, donate direct. It doesn't know it goes. This was my professor through my master's and bachelor's program. So I I know the founder personally. That's why I'm like, I know. <laughs> when when I donate a dollar, a whole dollar goes to his organization. You know, it doesn't get split 20 ways. So um, you know, I just I love what they're doing, and what they're doing is building a community that's safe um, to protect women and children specifically from human trafficking and things like that. There's there's a lot going on in Haiti. Um, and our politics here in the United States does have a great impact on um, how things are going. So right now they could just really use some prayers and uh, definitely donations if you feel it in your heart. But um, but other than that, like I said, I kind of switched from the psychotherapy into in, um, intervention and prevention. I get to play with babies. My youngest client is 10 days old. <laughs> and uh, I get to stay with them and the moms until the last baby's three. So <laughs> awesome. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much for the work that you do and being an ambassador to such an important organization. It's been such a pleasure having you on. Thank you Thank again you. so much. Thank you guys for joining me and I'll see you again next Don't week. Get the book. <laughs> yes, thank Don't you. Forget. Empowering Intuitives, a spiritual toolkit for the modern world. It has a lot of good information for did any a great parent job. that has an intuitive child. It's going to give you a lot of skills to help um, you feel more empowered in your parenting of these intuitive children. All right, yeah. thank you so much, you guys. Have a great week, and I'll see you again next week. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.